Did you know that Nika AATC offers self-paced online courses on a growing range of topics aimed at helping you improve health outcomes for people with HIV? These interactive courses can typically be completed in about an hour and cover multidisciplinary topics such as smoking cessation in people with HIV, geriatric assessment and integration and models of care, managing difficult behaviors in HIV care settings, and using Zoom as a virtual workspace. Self-paced online courses are offered on RISE, Nika AATC's online learning platform. Courses are designed for healthcare providers providing patient care for people with HIV, including physicians, physician assistants, nurses, pharmacists, case managers, outreach workers, and other disciplines. To explore online courses for HIV care professionals, navigate to www.nikaatc.org slash rise-courses. That's www.nikaatc.org forward slash R-I-S-E dash C-O-U-R-S-E-S or click the link in the podcast episode description. Welcome to Nika in the Know, a podcast for healthcare providers in the HIV field. I'm Mariana Breitman. Today, I'm sitting down with John Farragon to talk about the shortage of Bicillin LA used to treat syphilis. Welcome again, John. Yeah, thanks, Mariana. Glad to be here today. So, John, what can you tell us about current rates of syphilis? How much of a concern is this? Yeah, so I think that um, that this has kind of been in, in, in the lay press as well. Um, so some may have heard about this and some may not, but there's been an increased concern about continued increases of syphilis and in particular uh, congenital syphilis has been, has been increased. Um, but primary and secondary syphilis among females has increased over 240% uh, in the last five years. That's obviously a really big concern for, for congenital syphilis, which is basically passing that on to the baby. Uh, and though the data are not final yet, the congenital syphilis diagnosis increased about 200% between 2017 and 2022, um, with at least 10 syphilitic stillbirths reported since 2013. So really, really concerns are around this whole issue. So what what do we do about this? And, and you know, and you know, what's the story? So so New York State, you know, they've actually reported some of the highest single year numbers uh in, in over 20 years. In 2022, there were 53 reported cases of congenital syphilis. And those trends have continued to escalate in the first half of 2023. So not only has the numbers have the numbers increased, but we think they're continuing to increase even in 2023. So clearly, whatever we're doing now is, isn't quite working. Um, so if you look at congenital syphilis cases in the United States, Mariana, that increase has been just under 800 percent between 2012 to 2021. And syphilis during pregnancy, the biggest concern are these stillbirths, right? But it can also cause miscarriage, it can cause infant death and maternal and infant morbidity. So really a lot of, a lot of issues around this that we're really kind of concerned about. And these outcomes can really be prevented um, if we had appropriate screening and treatment. And so in 2022, there was a total of, uh, in the United States at least, that were reported to the CDC, there was a little over 3,700 cases of congenital syphilis in the US. Uh, and there were 231 stillbirths and 51 infant deaths um, during that time period. So, so the lack of timely testing, I think, is a big piece of this. And also making sure that there's adequate treatment uh, during pregnancy really contributed to, 
to just about um, 90% of those cases of congenital syphilis. So really it's timing of testing and making sure people are adequate, adequately treated really led to those things not happening really led to these, these stillbirths and these infant deaths. So really there's something that we can do here to kind of make a difference from a public health perspective. And so, um, so testing and treatment gaps were, were present in the majority of cases across all races, ethnicities, um, and, and the U.S. Census Bureau regions. Now, what about the recent changes to current New York State recommendations for screening of syphilis during pregnancy? Okay, so here's a story with this one. So the, the public health law in New York State um, mandates syphilis screening of pregnant persons at the time pregnancy is first identified, and then again upon delivery. So that's twice, okay? However, in May of 2024, the New York State um, law changed, and it's also going to require a third trimester syphilis screening as well. So it's going to be basically when you're identified, um, you'll do one upon delivery, then you do one in the third trimester as well. So while this it does not go into effect until next year, Marianne, I think a lot of providers in New York State are starting to implement this now as an additional screening as soon as possible um, and requiring syphilis screening right around 28 weeks of pregnancy for all pregnant persons, um, or at least as soon thereafter as possible, but no later than 32 weeks after uh, a pregnancy. So this is really important. Now, again, remember this is, remember we're talking to a broad audience here. This is New York state law, so it's not law in New Jersey or anywhere else. And it's not into effect until 2024, that's next year. But I think a lot of places, at least in New York state are starting to try to do this now. Um, providers can also pair that third trimester syphilis screening with the third trimester HIV screening, which is also uh, also required. So it's a nice kind of, you can kind of do them both at the same time. But if you have a case where laboratory evidence of syphilis is inconclusive or it's ambiguous or pregnant persons really should be presumed to be infected with or without symptoms, uh, unless the syphilis can be ruled out through evidence of treatment uh, and patterns and follow-up antibody titers documented in the medical record. So the problem with this is that the only recommended treatment for Pregnant persons right now is really this this PENG benzathine, um, benzathine the the, the bicillin LA, um, and pregnant persons who report penicillin allergy can be considered for further allergy testing to again you know determine that reaction. It should be desensitized and treated with penicillin. So really, the issue here is that penicillin really is the drug of choice for uh, for for women who are pregnant, um, and you really should consider desensitization if if they do have an allergic reaction uh, in, in the past to penicillin. So what is the story with penicillin shortages that are used to treat syphilis? Okay, so what I want to first do is just kind of separate this, right, and say, you know, you got the congenital piece, right? But then there's all the people who are out there who are getting tested for syphilis and wind up with, with positive syphilis um, uh, tests, right, and need to be treated. So that's that's also complicating this whole kind of issue with shortages around penicillin. So it's not the IV penicillin, it's really the the, um, the injectable thing that we use, the injectable product that we use for, for syphilis. So in April 2023, this is just a few months ago, um, the CDC and the DOH released information about some local health departments and medical facilities are actually unable to procure enough penicillin G uh, benzathine, which is the first line recommend, recommend, recommended treatment for syphilis. Um, for some of their jurisdictions. Um, so while initially the manufacturer anticipated being able to resolve the issue, there's been additional manufacturing delays. And so Pfizer, uh, who is the who's the, the people that make this, um, they list the reason for shortage due to really to increased demand. And they're allocating resources towards manufacturing adult PENG, 
dispensathine uh, presentations um, due to increased syphilis infection rates. That's really why they think this is happening. So once the current supplies of pediatric bicillinelli vials are depleted, um, it is unclear it is unclear when more product will be manufactured. They they also issued a Dear Healthcare Professional letter, which is on the FDA website, which you, which you can download. Um, so since the cases of syphilis and congenital syphilis are increasing, providers are really encouraged to review their existing PENG benzathione inventory, benzathine inventory, and really reserved for pregnant persons and infants with congenital syphilis if inventories are running low. Uh, inventory your existing stock of PENG benzathine, and many people have probably already done this, and then make some plans to ensure that you have enough to treat. So I think the most important thing is making alternative plans. For example, using doxycycline, especially for non-pregnant persons, obviously, because you can't use it there. But doxycycline for non-pregnant persons, while you work to replenish your stock, is really kind of a, a way to kind of manage this. Um, and to make sure you're scheduling follow-up with, with patients after the doxy is completed to verify it's, uh, that the syphilis has been treated completely and that there's been a decline in the titer, which really indicates that that the infection has been adequately treated. And if you have shortages, you really you are encouraged to, to call Pfizer, the supply continuity team, which in there, and there's a number, you can go to the website and find that out. So from the FDA, the the the, um, the injectable suspension products, the Bicel LA, are listed on their drug shortage webpage. So it's actually out there and people are aware of this. They do recommend programs should continue to follow the CDC treatment recommendations, but for, for pregnant patients, really PENG, benzathine is really the only recommended treatment for pregnant women who are infected with or exposed to syphilis. So the doxy, it's 100 milligrams twice a day for two weeks. If it's early syphilis, or you would extend that to four weeks, if it's for late latent syphilis or unknown duration syphilis, uh, is an alternative regimen for, for treatment of non-pregnant people with a penicillin allergy. So I, I think the point there is really prioritizing the use of the PENG really to treat pregnant people and babies with congenital syphilis, which is really what the state is saying as well. So FDA is very much in line with what New York State is saying. So that's that's important for everybody to know. As we begin to wrap up, what are some of the big takeaways here regarding penicillin shortages that are used to treat syphilis? So I think most importantly, the implications for public health practice really addressing some of the missed opportunities for prevention, primarily timely testing an appropriate treatment of syphilis during pregnancy is really important for reserves, reversing these congenital syphilis trends in the U.S. I think that's important. Implementing those, those tailored strategies to um, address some of the missed opportunities at the local and national levels really could substantially reduce congenital syphilis. And I think also adding that extra that extra um, syphilis test for New York State is at least starting next year as, as law. Doing that now, I think, is one way we could potentially do that. So making sure you're getting one at baseline, one at delivery, and one in the middle, too, at, at the third trimester. And I think for those who are out there that always ask this question, when should we expect benzathine penicillin uh, to be back in stock and back to normal? It's probably not going to be until April or, or May of 2024, based on what I've seen on the websites from Pfizer. But again, those things are always in flux, and I encourage you to, to kind of look at the website to see what changes. But I think this is going to be a you know, an ongoing issue for us to, to kind of manage uh, in as, as we move forward with syphilis treatment. John, thanks so much for joining us and telling us about some of the highlights of trends in syphilis and issues with drug treatment supply. We really hope you learned something new today. To learn more about Nika ATC's work and our role in ending the HIV epidemic, visit us at www.nikaatc.org. That's www.necaaetc.org. 
If you have questions or comments about anything we covered today, or if you have suggestions for topics you'd like to hear us talk about, don't hesitate to email us at podcast at nikaatc.org. That's P-O-D-C-A-S-T at nikaatc.org. Stay safe, and we'll see you on Thursday for our next episode of Nika in the Know. This presentation is supported by the Health Resources and Services Administration, HRSA, of the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, HHS. The contents are those of the authors and do not necessarily represent the official views of, nor an endorsement by, HRSA, HHS, or the U.S. government.